Oh, I was just looking at the Reddit to see if anyone said anything mean, but it's just a bunch of fuck Kyles, so that's cool. Yay! <laughs> Great. Yay! That's totally allowed and encouraged. <laughs> and encouraged. Also, somebody who really doesn't like Ronica. I, I guess that's fair. That's Ronica fair. isn't winning Mother of the Year so far for me, but. <laughs> but when she's talking to Kyle, it seems like. <laughs> it seems like she's a pretty uh, sharp tack when she's talking to that one. Yeah. If anyone's being mean to Kyle, it's highly encouraged. Right, yeah. I'm not going to dispute that. Welcome to Buckheap Radio. We're coming to you from town. This is episode 21, Ship of Magic, chapters 11 through 15, and I'm Rachel, a rereader. I'm Alyssa, a rereader. I'm Jenny, and I'm a new reader. I'm Eli, and I'm a new reader. And I'm Ashley, and I'm a new reader. Well, Elena isn't with us tonight because life, but she'll be back. Uh, so first up is corrections, omissions, and announcements. I just wanted to give a shout out to our listener, Matthew, for sending us a link to an interview with Robin Hobb from January Magazine. It was published in 1999, the interview, uh, and it talks about her inspiration for Liveship, and it's contemporary to Liveship being published, so it's not even about like all of the books. It's just about her inspiration for the live ship specifically. Uh, and she cites uh, the sailor that she lives with, quote, which is her husband, uh, for why she knows so much about boats and lived on boats. So that was in response to us talking about whether or not the ships in the dedication were real boats or not. Cool. It's pointing to make maybe they actually are real. I hope so. Because there were some great names. Super awesome names. Let's get this started then. I have no content warnings for this reading section as a reminder. Um, So who has chapter 11? I do. Chapter 11, Consequences and Reflections. Um, Chapter opens up with Althea meeting with Curtil, who helped draft and verify Efren's will. And Althea wishes to dispute the documents, but she's told that there's actually a provision in place that would automatically exclude her as a beneficiary if she tried to dispute it. So good on them. No loopholes or anything. Um, That's weird. She then asks if a verbal oath sworn to Sa could be legally binding. For example, Kyle stating that he'd give the Vivacia over to her if she could get a real live captain to vouch for her. And Trader Curtail says that, yes, it can. And thus, we now know Althea's new mission. So Althea pays a visit to Vivacia, who she learns is pretty disturbed by the emotions that are coming from Wintrow. Um, he's being held captive on the boat and he's just very negative and he's not really reaching out to her after they previously had these amazing talks together. And now she's just kind of caught off guard by all of his emotion. Um, he's being a sad sack, which fair and Vivacia says that she's actually embarrassed for trying to reach out to him so often when he only rejects her. Then Torg comes along to shoo Althea away and Althea imagines snapping his spine which I feel like <laughs> maybe is showing us that she might have some rage issues. 
But also, same. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Vivesha also hates him, and Althea has some concerns about the ship's negative emotions, as well as the fact that she seems to have the Vestrit family trait of stubbornness. So she's nervous about how Kai and Winter will actually be able to manage her once they're out on the open water. And as she's leaving the docks, Althea sees Amber, and they partake in a stare-off. <laughs> and <laughs> Althea ends up getting spooked, and so Amber wins. Um... <laughs> And like any broke person trying to pretend that they're not actually broke, Althea takes herself out for a nice lunch that she can't actually afford. And while she's dining, she ponders other live ships and their behaviors and how they uh, managed over the years. And we learn of like one ship who wouldn't tolerate live cargo, specifically slaves, and he would just take his own paths and not be good. And um, some of them just go mad. And so that's when we get the history of our favorite pouty ship, the Paragon, and long story short, lots of people died on him and enough family to actually quicken him. And no one knows exactly what happened when people died, but the ship just kept coming back and people were dead or missing. Um, he did have one good streak with a certain Captain Sedge, but on the 17th voyage, the ship met the same ill fate and came back with Paragon's face tacked up to bits, which I thought was really sad. And that's when the town actually beached him and just left him to kind of rot alone. Um, so broke Althea finishes her lunch, refuses to go crawling back home. She's super stubborn. And so she uses a penny to actually write a message to her mom. She tells Ronica that she needs to go and just like check in on the vivacia because she feels like her emotions are a little out of whack and noting that she doesn't have enough coin to both eat and sleep. She decides to go and visit an old friend who she was once warned not to hang with. And guess what? It's hotel Paragon. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good name for a hotel. I'd st- I'd try it. <laughs> so we only got Althea in this chapter, which I feel like is maybe the first time we've had only one point of view in a chapter. I feel like normally we bounce around a bit. Yeah, it, it is. It's kind of like back to like old style Hob, mm-hmm. where we we only have the one point of view for a while. Kind of nice, depending on whose point of view it is. Yeah. I wanted to read the section where she um, where she is staring at Amber because there's a <laughs> quote in it where she says that she feels dread. Althea suddenly realized how long she had been staring. Unwillingly, she met Amber's gaze again. The woman smiled questioningly at her. And when Althea kept her own features perfectly still, the woman's smile faded to a look of disdain. <laughs> like, All right, Althea sucks. Um that expression did not change as she set a slender fingered hand to her flat belly as if those glove fingers had touched her own midsection althea felt a chill spread uh, a chill dread spread throughout her so uh, what the fuck <laughs> i love that this is the second time now that she's had a run in with amber that has gone pretty well to begin with and then just Amber makes a face of total oh god by the end <laughs> and it happened last time too mm-hmm. so, so yeah clearly stare. clearly gonna be besties for sure yeah that's how that works when you keep meeting someone you don't like and then you sneer at each other especially women um, yeah uh, so uh, yeah. I'm wondering about that line that um, if she disputes the inheritance, then she's automatically excluded. Is that 
extend to her being like will be sh- will she be like disowned as being like an heir of, i guess she's not heir anymore she can't be yeah, yeah. she's not she's okay. out of that anyways. this is a standard clause in uh trader contracts which i find interesting it must really limit the amount of uh like litigation that happens mm-hmm. yeah in their society which i guess is why we have a lot of merchants and no lawyers like mm-hmm. two lawyers but yeah i think it's like we're cutting you out. This is your deal. And if you if you challenge it, then you get nothing. Like, can she it's not even... Is she boss. not, like, in the family anymore? Is she not, like, allowed she to is, live in her, the house? She can't... Con- can she- no, she is, but she can't control... Like, she lives now at the largesse of her sister. Right. So wherever her sister wants her to live, that's where she will live. <laughs> A.K.A. Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it could go fine, except that, like, you know, Kyle's in charge, and that's just not good for anyone. But, I mean, even if it could go fine, there's just something about... It's still shitty, but... Yeah, there's something about, like, knowing that you have nothing and that you live on the generosity of your sister just because she was born first. I don't know. That's shitty. Yeah. Yeah. They all should have considered this more. Yeah, Ronica. Thanks. Jeez, Ronica. Immediately the next morning, she's like, oh, fuck, what did I do? Yeah, I'm like, how did you not think about this at all? I know. I think Ronica wants to control people. Honestly. And then she realized that she put Kyle in control of her and she was like, oh, shit. Yeah. But how did she not realize that? I think she didn't think about how vulnerable she'd made herself because she wasn't used to that like aspect of power. Like, yeah, she was a traitor's wife, but she still had her own power because he let her have it. I think it's amazing how badly everyone misjudged Kyle when he's been around long enough that they have like, what, like a 12 year old kid. 13. They should have just asked Wintrow. He would have told them. Yeah. <laughs> They'd be like, no, my dad sucks. Don't do this. Or ask Althea, who would have been like, no, he sucks. Don't do this. Um, I also like the fact that, you know, Althea has this connection with Paragon. We know that she's going to visit an old friend, which implies that she she's already spoken to and knows and has a past with Paragon. And since Althea is kind of like a black sheep, like she's kind of, you think that she's like this, this spoiled little rich girl, but then she also has this otherness about her. And that's one of the reasons that her family is trying to control her because mm-hmm. the only family member that ever really could was the father. He died, thus precipitating all these events. But it's it's kind of poetic to me that she made friends with this ship when she, you know, in her past at some point. Even though she wasn't supposed to. Well, she's clearly always been more taken with ships than humans, it seems. <laughs> yeah, it's that too. Paragon is just like the patron saint of like lost causes and outcasts, and so they all just flock to him. Yeah. Um, I thought it was. I'm surprised they don't have more of that. Honestly, like a cool talking ship on the beach, I'd mess with it. Well, but everybody's <laughs> so terrified of it, which kind of segueing into the history that we got on the Paragon, I thought it was really interesting that, like, 
We never, like, we just know that the ship kept coming back with nobody or with dead <laughs> people, but, like, nobody actually knows what happened. So it's like they say that he's cursed and all these things, but, like, we don't actually know that. Maybe he had really bad luck. They seem preoccupied with luck in this area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> loves luck. Well, this goes back to our conversation about quickening, and... He wasn't, like, scheduled to be quickened, but because so many people unexpectedly died at the same time, he was. So, yeah, he didn't have, like, time to marinate in, in, like, a slow quickening, you know, like we we saw with Vivacia. So that could be part of the problem. Yeah. Well, it's also, you know, I mean, in theory, the people that died on Vivacia, like, you know, were dying of old age and, you know... It was a family ritual, whereas the people that supposedly died on the Paragon, I don't think, died well. No. Yeah. Two of them <laughs> were know? strapped down. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. So, I'm sure that affects the ship as well. Yeah. Right, and they didn't have the life experience that Vivacia is benefiting from it either. Right. Which like is a corrupt disk download. Which is like <laughs> compounded by him having missing logs, which which is a weird concept to me. But if you, your memory is altered, that I mean, it's gonna like totally contribute to you seeming insane. Yeah, I have a lot of questions about the logs. Like, is the paper made out of the same wood? Is that why it like adds to the memory? Is it because they're stored in a weird place? Is the ship's logs like the ship's peg? (laughs) (laughs) I'm very confused about all these cylindrical items. (laughs) Maybe they don't have a memory. Maybe they just read the book whenever they want to know something. They can read it at any point. Yeah, I think being a boat would be kind of boring, but that's just me. I'd love to be a boat. boats. (laughs) Well, we know that. We know. (laughs) All right. Uh, anything else before we move on? Good. Okay. So chapter 12 is called Of Derelicts and Slave Ships. Uh, this chapter opens from Paragon's point of view because we had just been talking about him. And he's having a nightmare or maybe a memory about being hassled by serpents in the vast loneliness of the ocean. And he's upside down in the dream, which we know he spent a lot of time upside down, capsized. Um And there's some really great descriptions of how he's full of water, but not quite enough to, you know, make him sink. So all of his all of his uh, packages that are inside him, like the boxes that still have air in them are are trying to like push up with buoyancy. And so he can he says that feels like, you know, like a a tearing inside of him, which I thought I liked that detail. Um, So he's awakened by Althea. And Paragon acts as her confidant while she tells him all of her woes. And thanks for not asking about Paragon, Athea, because I don't know if I was up for all the hanging upside down in the ocean, screaming at serpents for five years as a topic, mm-hmm. like, detail. <laughs> so she also talks about her longing to be back aboard the Vivacia. And Paragon's lonely, so even her sad stories are something to listen to. And eventually, Althea asks if she can crash inside Hotel Paragon, and permission (laughs) is granted, but, oh, hey, reminder, Brashin is here, so if that's okay, um, 
and she says that it's fine and i'm thinking hey is this romance um this is also <laughs> when althea realizes that paragon has other friends besides her which has <laughs> never occurred to her before and now Paragon is trying to set up his friends. Um. <laughs> Brashen eventually does show up for his inebriated sleep, but Althea wants to talk with a capital T. Uh, so they talk to each other through a door for a while, but eventually she is invited into his little hammock room. And Brashen listens to her and, and basically advises her that she just needs to go home because no matter what she does in the end she will run out of money somehow it doesn't matter how many of her possessions that she sells she's going to run out and you need money to live and he should know and she's never going to make a living on her own as a lone woman sailor and she doesn't want to go north so he basically says find a way to be reborn a boy which is really harsh but true so our next scene has us joining Kenneth and Sorcor as they pursue a slaver after the unsuccessful pursuit of a live ship per the agreement. Kenneth is extremely not interested, but Sorcor is loving life. So the Marietta boards the slaver and we get a whole like pirate-esque swing over on ropes like it's hook, except this <laughs> is a horrible slave ship. But it's like this kind of great scene of action. And Kenneth is just standing there watching it all happen. People being slaughtered and fed to serpents and he's just really bored. And he's <laughs> contemplating serpents that are following the slave ship, noticing how they scarcely have to work at all for their generous feedings. So uh, victory is theirs, of course, Kennet's as well as Sorcor's, and they rescue more than 350 slaves. The slaughter of the crew and their subsequent feedings to the serpents has created a very calm sea for Kennet and his crew, so they have options. Kennet isn't thrilled to be suddenly responsible for all these people, but he tells Sorcor that they can take their new conquest somewhere while the serpents are full and thus not, you know, hassling them. He gives Sorcor permission to plot a course to the nearest port. Um, and Sorcor leaves with his buzz a little deflated by the fact that Kennet um, is focused on these practicalities of suddenly becoming pirates that prey on ships that don't gain much wealth from what <laughs> they're pirating. Uh, so, and they also, you know, are responsible for all these people, which is actually a net negative. Um, but he is happy to go plot a course for the nearest port. So he leaves. And Kennet is thinking to himself that Sorcor has sort of found this new fervor and the power that comes with being Kennet's first mate might be getting a little old. So the quotation that I pulled is, Kennet would soon have to decide which was more worth more to him, the mate's value as a second in command or his own total control of his ship and his men. Kennet sighed heavily. Tools blunted so quickly in this trade. So, hi, Kennet is a sociopath. He is. He so crazy. Much. He clearly doesn't think about other people as, you know, fully realized humans with their own feelings, <laughs> no. thoughts, and needs. He thinks about He's killing people like confused. it's like chopping up a chicken breast. <laughs> yeah. Like... I did like that we got a little bit of piracy, you know, and that they weren't like they weren't killing like innocent people. They were killing slavers. And from Kenneth's point of view, it wasn't at all for the right reasons. But I think Sorcor's point of view, it would have been a very exciting chapter. Well, yeah, Kenneth's just like, oh, I guess they like slaughter. Maybe I should give them more slaughter because they can't <laughs> possibly have any altruistic reasons for doing this. I mean, I can't imagine why. Mm hmm. He's very all confused. These, all these former slaves that, you know, are pirates with him. That Why would they care about other slaves? I know. Imagine general? that. Yeah. He has these misunderstandings of people constantly like a serial killer would have. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 
And it is, it's, is, maybe it is part of his luck that nobody's really caught on, that they keep misunderstanding him. Like his depravity is so, is so deep that people don't, it doesn't occur to them that that's what his motivations are. They're just like, oh, wow, yeah, look at him. Because they have normal people, like, motivations. Right. And they're just like, of course. Like, they both sort of look at each other like, they should have the same motivations as me. And, like, they very clearly don't. And it's just kind of funny to watch. Right. Which is very much chapter 14, which we'll get to. Yeah. He's he's always uh, trying to do whatever he thinks will make, you know, deceive people into what he wants them to believe. It's just, like, this constant mind game. And it's honestly a little exhausting to read. Um, but his chapters also tend to be very exciting, but like everything in his head is just, oof. It kind of reminds me a little bit of, uh, if we want to relate this back to, to the last trilogy in that, you know, the, the six duchies people were looking at the red ship raiders and thinking, trying to think like six duchies people would think and completely sort of missing what the red ship raiders were doing whereas the red ship raiders were just had completely different motivations and so they sort of didn't work together this kind of reminds me of that well it also it also reminds me i so this is stupid but i started watching the circle today oh my god (gasps) rachel i tried to watch an episode of it and i'm like why no no keep going (laughs) (laughs) oh i only have two episodes left Alyssa. oh my god (laughs) I fucking love the circle. Do I need to give it um, more time? They just It's just a bunch of people talking out loud to themselves because they're not allowed to use a keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I would hate it at first, too, because I hate reality shows so much because everyone's mean, but then everyone gets really kind to each other. And it's just, oh, they boot right, out the mean that's people. What I, okay. That's what I wanted to talk All about right. because there are certain characters who are successful for, at least in, the, in terms of, of rooting for them as a viewer because they are actually sincere, Right. Because no one in the circle knows who's being sincere. So you either have to assume everyone is or that no one is. And they're the people who are literally being sincere because we see it from their point of view are fun. And I want to root for them, even if they're morons <laughs> versus the people who are trying to like be serial killers and control people's <laughs> perceptions <laughs> and like build characters or, or they think they're manipulating people into acting a certain way and that, I don't know. It felt very much like, oh, I bet you Kenneth would do really well on reality television. <laughs> Get this man on Big Brother immediately. I was going to say put him on Survivor because that's an island. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or like there could be some sort of live ship based reality show that I would, I would 100% watch. <laughs> the ships vote people off. Mm-hmm. So and pretend for a second that I have been uh, con crunching for the last five years, and I have no clue <laughs> what anything on television is. Give like, right. give me the rundown in like two sentences. What the hell? Okay, are you talking so in about? two sentences, the Circle is a fake social media platform uh, where eight people live in a hotel, but they can't leave their hotel room, and they can only they can only interact with other people via this fake social media platform. And at the end of every episode, the most popular users get to vote the people out. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, so they never actually get to meet each other. So, like, some of them could be catfishing, where they, like, say they're a girl, but really it's, you know, a guy who just found a fake photo of somebody. Or some of them are actually, like, themselves and just genuinely them. And some of them are just genuinely not awesome people, and then some of them are. Some of them are simple. (laughs) Simple is a very nice way to say that, yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Some of them are so simple, and but they're wonderful because they're so simple. There's one character who comes in disdaining social media as like an evil, which I didn't disagree with at all. Shuby. But he, yes. <laughs> but <laughs> but Shuby is the one that is the most invested. Like Shuby's going to need like therapy after this is done. For sure. <laughs> I only know who he is because I am still a Survivor fan and I was watching a podcast thing and he was on and he was amazing. anyway just to get us back on topic <laughs> live ships he just he gives off that like like i bet you kenneth's instagram would be like the opposite of fitz's instagram where like fitz doesn't want to share too much but kenneth shares like everything because he doesn't understand what's important <laughs> <laughs> what is kenneth's instagram name hmm the raven something or other yeah oh. think about it the mustachioed raven <laughs> he likes to touch pirate his mustache king. a lot pirate king pirate king the pirate king true, yeah honestly king. Yeah. yeah i'd be pirate king yeah but the good kind of king that you're gonna He's like a... <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> he like doesn't know how to use uh emojis correctly but people always interpret the emojis cor- like to his benefit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's All right. Sorry to take his so avatar is just the picture of the little little tiny shrunken head that he wears on his wrist. His wrist? Eli's favorite character. Yeah. <laughs> it's the uh, it's the smirking emoji. <laughs> so he ends everything he says with that yeah. and then people are like oh look he's so funny and it's like no he's <laughs> he's diabolical he's diabolical alright chapter 13 Alyssa take it away <laughs> oh boy chapter 13 is called transitions and uh oh Brashen wakes up feeling guilty with a crick in his neck like he's in his 30s how Oof. old is Brashen 24, I think. Oh, God. I know. <laughs> He's not doing people. so good. <laughs> so after mentally planning out Althea's future for her, he goes to say good morning to Paragon, who remarks that it's afternoon, actually, and why can't you be more like Althea, who was up at first light and gets good grades? And <laughs> Brashen talks about getting a full-time job on a slaughter ship, and Paragon says that job is so easy to get because the sailors die in droves aboard slaughter ships, and it's pretty miserable. And to which Brashen has to say, what choice do I have? And Paragon is like, I mean, ideally you'd kill yourself because that's what I would do. Which is a cool and chill thing to say to a person. Um, He also tells him, you are such a fragile thing, and I'm going to keep that one in my back pocket to say to men. But maybe don't tell people to kill themselves because that's not right. No, not that part at all. No, no. (laughs) Just calling people fragile. Um, fragile. Tell that to Kyle. Don't kill yourself. (laughs) Definitely tell that to Kyle. Oh, he'd die. He would just die. (laughs) Well, I mean, Paragon would support that, so. 
whatever Paragon wants, baby. <laughs> so <laughs> Althea's selling all her stuff in town, and she's pretty good at haggling, but is she good at it, or is she just um, not aware of what things actually cost? Like, it's one earring, Michael. <laughs> what could it cost? Ten gold? And... She buys some food and some candles, and she wanders around the market trying not to cry. A little retail therapy, until she finds herself staring into Amber's shop. She goes in, and she's marveling at the wood and the cool egg chair or papasan that Amber carved for herself and is <laughs> sitting in. Um, and they go back and forth and banter with each other, or at least Althea looks at it as banter and Amber just kind of seems to be making conversation um, <laughs> because Althea goes in and she says, I was but curious to see this wooden jewelry that I had heard so much about. And Amber says, you being such a connoisseur of fine wood. <laughs> and um, Amber gets very defensive very fast about Vivacia um, because she's her number one girl. But um, they get over that and they move to talk about how they ran into each other near the docks the other day and each thought the other one was following them. Um, Amber says that she was looking for a nine-fingered slave boy, actually, and found <laughs> Althea instead. Uh, Amber takes a basket of beads off a shelf in her shop and she tells Althea to choose one and Amber would like to make her a gift. Althea accepts this immediately, kind of without realizing, and is mesmerized by the colors and the grains and the shapes of the wood, which are carved so small into all different animals, plants, objects. And unfortunately, she doesn't choose the loaf of bread, which was clearly the best one, but she chooses the next best thing, which is an egg. Um, Amber clarifies that this is the serpent's egg. Althea asks Amber why she wants to make her a gift, and Amber says she wants to be friends because she sees Althea as one who moves against the tide and admires her for moving against what fate has dictated she should be doing. And she says, there's so many good quotes in this chapter, but mostly because I love Amber, but she says, you would rather go naked into the storm. I cannot abide that you should do that, so I offer you a bead to wear. Like, that's her little protection. <laughs> That'll do a lot. Um, so in return for the gift, Amber asks only that Althea allow her to help thwart fate, which is a very exciting end to that segment. But meanwhile, Wintrow is having just the greatest time of his life on the Vivacia. <laughs> um, the ship is docked, but they're hardening him for sea and they're working him really hard and he's never been so tired in all his life. He feels as though everyone is mocking him as they wake him up at odd hours and give him orders and give him tasks that lead to his hands blistering and he's miserable. And he starts to settle in for the night after this day and Torg summons him to have dinner with his father. They eat through a suspiciously delicious meal. And at the end of it, Kyle offers him a small gold earring of the vivacious likeness. And this symbolizes Wintrow's loyalty to the ship if he were to wear this earring. Wintrow naturally starts insisting that he belongs only to Saw. He's a priest, which is the exact wrong thing to say to Kyle. Um, <laughs> and Kyle tells him to shut up and calls him a coward, regular dad stuff. Uh, Wintrow <laughs> says verbatim, <laughs> quote, well, aren't you just a fucking Chelsea Day in where women don't have rights? That is not a direct quote. And starts trying to have a logical argument 
with Kyle, which he repels because Kyle's not a logical person. He's an abuser. And Kyle storms out and tells Torg to keep Wintrow out of his sight. And Wintrow realizes that his father has put him completely in the hands of this asshole. Wintrow's thrown back into his cabin and he tries to fall back into his habits of meditating and forgiving the day. He's doubting his whole life and saw his place in it and having a lot of deep thoughts and admits to himself that he's waiting to be rescued from this and he's very depressed. (laughs) Finally, Ronica comes to visit Vivacia in the dead of night. She asks if Efron lives within her and Vivacia says no, but when she looks at Ronica, she feels as her own the love he felt for Ronica. And Ronica's like, well, that doesn't help at all, but thanks. (laughs) (laughs) They talk for a bit about Efron, and Vivacia tells Ronica that he would want her to follow her gut, and that seems to make her feel a little better. When Vivacia reveals Althea has been to visit her multiple times, Ronica tells her to tell Althea to come visit her, and it's not a trap, I promise. I just want to talk. (laughs) This is a good chapter. It was a good chapter. I loved it. Yeah. I mean, other than the fact that Wintro appears to just be going through all the same realizations that anyone entering the job market feels. (laughs) 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 Where it's like, but before this, I got up when I wanted to and made art. And I felt like life was a beautiful gift. And I saw colors in the sky. And now you're telling me that I have to get up on a schedule and work and do what other people tell me. And it's awful. Please rescue me from my life. So I hate my boss. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, right. You hate your boss. Why do I have to work um, with people I don't like? <laughs> it's like, it's hard. I just want to sleep whenever I want to sleep. Yeah. I just want to make that. pretty stained glass. My hands, Poor my Rachel. hands ugly. Mm. His precious tender hands. <laughs> that's what Wintro's a social media handle would be Saw's <laughs> tender hands that would suck yes. though like if you're like a surgeon or something and you got sent somewhere and had to go carry big rocks around <laughs> hashtag surgeon of art <laughs> the money hands these are money hands if you only knew I could make you money there's I mean, so much low-key magic in this chapter, just yeah. from, like the description of like Althea taking the basket without realizing she's taking it, and it just feels like she's under the spell, and she only thinks to ask after. Oh, I cannot wait to figure out what this fucking egg symbolizes or means of what happens with that. I'm like, she picked the egg out of all of the little jimmies that were in there. Is she going to be, I told Rachel, I'm like, is she going to be the serpent queen or something? Or like the serpent <laughs> She's slayer. going to lay an egg, I told you. Yeah. Like, yes, finally she'll lay an egg. <laughs> this whole thing of the beads just kind of reminded me of like uh, the uh, Stormlight books and the cognitive mm. realm and all the beads because they have different shapes in the real mm-hmm. world. So I was like, yeah. she, she's just calling them beads, and I was like, assuming that they were actual like beads and not different shapes. Oh, maybe I that see, was just I me. <laughs> no, they're like they're just bead-sized, tiny carvings. Okay, yeah. with I guess holes in them because that's so it's like a charm bracelet that you would <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah, like okay. those yeah. charm bracelets. Yeah, 
just your regular teen making a charm bracelet. Yeah, Am- Amber knows what's up. Collect them all. Yeah, exactly. Stack them. You could probably tell a whole story on your wrist if you just wear all the right beads, you know? Ooh. I want her to get a charm that's a snapped spine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Amber would carve it for her. That's like those guillotine uh, earrings I saw on uh, Twitter the other day. <gasps> and you can buy people's heads just dangle oh off of Oh, God. <laughs> Paragon's like, buy my head. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, I don't know if Paragon is the right person for Brashin to be, like... Because Brashin is so sort of, like, defeatist anyway that yeah. him and Paragon kind of feed on each other, and I think in an unhealthy manner. They definitely need, like, a positivity friend to, to like, yeah. come in and cut well, I mean, through Brashin's already had suicidal thoughts, so, like, right. Right. putting them together, it's just really bad. It's a good thing Wintero hasn't met Paragon yet. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, the... I'm surprised the 13-year-old didn't take the uh, boobylicious lady earring. He didn't want to, like, you know, scar his yeah, body. Yeah, he wasn't yeah. willing to do it. His ear. Saw made his body the way it was. He can't alter it. He could have worn it on a necklace. I'm sure, you know, could have been like a bead. But I think it would also it would also symbolize, like, a future he's currently not into. True. But also, you like, know? couldn't he just suck it up and say, like, this is this will make my life easier. So you know what? I'm just going to take it. And he's not about I that. I know, but he needs to get on board with that shit. Who, but it's typical 13-year-old thoughts. It's like when I was 13, if you told me that I had to do something for two years, something I didn't want to do for two years, that's forever. It's your whole life. I just like when he tries to apply logic and, like, saws teaching th- teachings to things and... No one responds well at all. Yeah. They're like, what are you talking about? Well, it's weird because I know that, like, they all say Saw is their primary religion. And Jamalia is their, like, you know, mother country or whatever. But, like, I, they don't all seem like they're even really part of that religion. Like, they're, like, Protestants or something. Like, they're not... <laughs> <laughs> You know, they're not, like, into it because he says, he, he like, spouts these teachings of Saw and they're like, this is nonsense. <laughs> yeah, they're like, this isn't how people talk. What's wrong yeah. with you? But then you have, like, the swearing on Saw can be legally binding. So it's like, you know, it's like none of these people are religious, but they've all got the traditions that come with it. And Right. It's like Bingtown has, the... like, lost God somehow. They're just, like, culturally religious but not like actually religious yes well there's a whole uh culture of pirates that lives between them and the where their religion comes from right true they're they're a little they're slightly cut off from jamalia oh yeah for sure and yet they send half their taxes back there for some reason yeah when will we get our Boston tea party scene? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the live ships will drink the tea, though, instead of <laughs> in the harbor. They drink the tea, and then they spill the tea, and then it's like it's a whole thing. It's a Girl. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone gets a new paint job. It's magical. Uh, okay, chapter 14. Chapter 14, Family Matters. 
Um, so Kenna is faced with having to offload his captured ship and his newly freed slaves, and basically every lazy decision he tries to make, every imagined slight he tries to dole out, and every awkward reaction he has somehow work out in his favor, and the only enjoyment I get out of this is the fact that he's so confused by it all. (laughs) Um, perhaps because basic human emotions are a mystery to him. Um, so he takes the ship to some random port called Askew because he doesn't want to go all the way back to Divi Town because that'll take too long. And he just wants to be rid of the gross slave ship as soon as possible. Um, and he doesn't think he'll get a good price for it anyway. So he spends the six days to get there being, like, really confused as to why the newly free slaves be grateful for fresh air. And... <laughs> You know, not having their dead fed to the serpents. He just he doesn't get it. He's like, why would they care? Um, it took him three days before he even agreed to set foot on the ship because it required a thorough cleaning first, and he still wasn't all that impressed. Um, so, because when he went t- down to inspect below decks, the stench made his eyes water and tears rolled down his cheeks, which was later mistaken for him actually caring. <laughs> um, he also seemed surprised to see that the slaves were so thin, because apparently he really doesn't understand how awful the slave trade is. And when presented with a baby by a woman who was so grateful that even though he was born into slavery, he had been freed by Kenneth, he told her he, she should name the baby Sorkor, thinking his sarcasm was hilarious. Um, but at least he got some semi-useful charts out of it from the captain's rooms. Uh, so when they dock at at Askew, he stays on the Marietta for a while examining those very nice charts, and then he finally decides to go check out the port, basically hoping he gets to mock the freed slaves for being confused by their freedom, and the people of Askew being upset by the population increase, and hoping that Sorkor, like, sees the error of his slave-freeing ways, because he just doesn't get why you would ever want to do that. Um, instead, he finds, like, everybody all joyful and willing to obey him, because for some reason they think he's great. And so he goes to find Sorkor and he finds the people of Askew were throwing a celebration and it's in his honor because it turns out that the slaves that they happened to have freed were the relatives of those who had risen up against their captors and founded Askew in the first place. And even Sorkor was carrying around the baby named for him seeing it as, seeing it as an honor. So Kenneth, of course, makes use of this celebration and uses it to his advantage and makes these people the first people of his new uh, kingdom. And he gifts them the slave ship and tells them to go after all the other slave ships and merchant ships and that he'll give them a full half of whatever they've claimed and he'll come back in a year to collect the rest and, like, teach them how to sell stuff. Such a nice guy. Um, so meanwhile, Kefria and Kyle continue to disagree about their children as well as Ronica and Althea. Kefria just wants to see Wintro before they set sail and Kyle won't hear of it because it would disrupt his progress in becoming a man. Um... Kyle also wants to sell off a farm that belongs to Ronica, but Kefria says they can't because uh, her mother always promised to look after the family that settled there, and Kenneth really doesn't see the point in that. And he's like, why can't you just get rid of the place and then, like, keep them in the house as servants? That'll be fine. Um, And then uh, Malta tries to interrupt them, which they shoo her out for a little bit, but then she comes back and... She wants. She just wants to go to the next ball that they're having in Bingtown, and she wants to wear a ball gown and grow up too fast, basically, and Kefria is not having it. Kai, on the other hand, finds the whole argument hilarious and is quite keen to give Malta whatever she wants, because what's the harm, despite the fact that Kefria points out that in a woman's ball gown, Malta would be presented as a woman of her family and therefore be courtable, and she's not been taught the skills of conversing with men nor how to deal with unwanted attentions. 
So instead of trying to understand, Kyle just sort of goes off on her and insists that he have a say in how Malta's raised, not at all seeing the irony in the fact that he's shutting her out of how Winter is now being raised. So all of a sudden, Kefria is looking forward to Kyle setting sail and getting a break, and same. Mm. Um, so later, mm. Ronica comes in after Kefria, after Kyle goes, and they have this whole discussion about slavery and how Raish is basically a slave, and how Kefria now has her father's council vote and a choice to make about how she intends to use it and whether or not she will cede it to Kyle and what that means. And Kefria is sort of paralyzed thinking about the ramifications of all this, but still settles on the idea that Kyle is a good man. But hopefully she's perhaps starting to think of him a little bit differently. Um, There's also mention of the stillbirth of her third child, who was apparently some kind of creature instead of a baby, and now I'm just picturing Targaryen dragon babies. Ding, ding, ding. What do I want to talk about? What do you think I want to talk about? (laughs) Why are people giving birth to monsters? (laughs) Because the yeah, they they've mentioned it a couple of times now. Doesn't sound good. No, baby roulette, um, never knowing what you're going to give birth to, and then her <laughs> they had to like take the baby out back and kill it. That's fucking horrible. And Kyle was just like, "Yeah, stillbirth." Cool. Yeah, like it's to be totally oblivious <laughs> to everything. Yeah, Kyle sucks. Uh, remember when Eli was talking about? Kenneth's luck. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm fully sold on that theory now. <laughs> this is like the moment where you're like, something's happening. Yeah. <laughs> you just. There's some intervention to go here. To a, For sure. Yeah. This is a random 20 year old town, and you bring them the rest of their town. Just, I, that, you know, why not? Couldn't couldn't happen to a nicer guy. But I mean, <laughs> honestly, luck. it's the only way that that situation could have worked because I really think he would be right about any other town where you suddenly bring them 350 extra mouths to feed. Yeah. Yeah. Nowhere for them to go. Yeah. Like, there's not going to be housing for that many people. Like, yeah. I like that he just, like, couldn't wait to see how much of a disaster this was. And then... Every turn, like, wasn't, he was just super suspicious and didn't understand why any yeah, of it was he, happening. he misunderstood then... everyone at every turn. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. And then I was like, oh, oh, this worked out in my favor. I guess I'll use it. Okay, sure. And then you have the little, the little face talking to him and spouting off things about love. Yeah, he's like, just go along with it. Just smile and nod your head and go along with it. <laughs> hmm Um, also about him... He's, like, super sensitive to smell. And I feel like I brought this up before. But, like, what? Like, we get... We spend a lot of time talking about how sensitive to smell he is. And clearly, like, a germaphobe. And... I feel like... Yeah. Is he... Is he that sensitive to smell? Or is everybody else is just, like, whatever. We're not going to be this much of a snob. Uh, Maybe a combo? I honestly don't know. (laughs) Well, I I think this goes back to, like, Robin Hobb as, like, a writer. Because, one, he's terrible, sociopathic, like, bad man. But she's presenting, in all of his chapters, like, exciting things happen. So you want to read his chapters because stuff is happening. Mm -hmm. But you hate... I mean, otherwise, you would just be like, no, skip. Right. And then... Excuse me. And then also, at the same time, 
he has all of these qualities that give you like more of a sense of like just how impossible he is like he can't stand smells but he lives in a smelly world like he's a germaphobe but he lives in a germy world like he doesn't he hates all of these sailors that he that work for him but he needs them for his ships like it's just he's like a a self-contained just like i don't know he's a he's a stannis <laughs> I want to know this, how he got like into a, a contradiction. Yeah, how did he get into his career path? Yeah, that would right. be a nice. Like history. after saying that, yeah, after saying that in so many words, it's like, are you sure this is for you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but I mean it's true. Like for some reason, he's good at it, but there's probably something else he'd be better at, or at least happier doing. Seems like literally every anything else, but he just he also wants power, right? Right, and I think he thinks he can. This is the path of least resistance can, for him to become. Yeah, like he can take over these people because he thinks that they're worthless and a bunch of idiots. Well, he wants to be a big fish in a little pond, but now his pond may be getting bigger. Yeah. But yeah, there are certain things about him because at least like when a character is like a germaphobe and like very particular about their clothing, um, like he talks about how he has like understated fashion and Sorcor is like tacky and, you know, like pirates are tacky, <laughs> but I have taste. And, <laughs> you know, like he's just so dismissive of the world that he is in. You would expect him to, I mean, he's, he's pretty fussy. He's very fussy. But yes. I would expect. But I would expect him to be, like, fussier in manner, but he's not. Like, he's, like, a tough guy. Maybe we're just learning his Achilles heel now, and they're just going to attack him later on in the books with, like, stink bombs, and that's what's going to take him out. Yeah, he's just going (laughs) to wave dirty socks at him. He's, like, a a godfather type, like, I don't know, like a mobster. That's that's the vibe I get. I don't think he's quite that untouchable, though. No, but he might, I think he might think of himself that way. Perhaps. Oh, he definitely thinks of himself that way. Yeah. <laughs> I like the uh, the little. Uh, I I don't. This is. I know enough of you play this game that to that I can say it. But uh, there's there's the Assassin's Creed Black Flag where you're like building your little ship fleet and you send them out to mm-hmm. go attack things. That's what this felt like. This chapter. <laughs> <laughs> you get your first ship and you're gonna send it on its mission. Well, yeah, I I read a lot of books about spaceships and not necessarily about sailing ships, but I think that the principle is the same when they're fighting because it's not like you can just bash them together. Right. (laughs) You have to, there's other things happening that you have to make really interesting and all of that maneuvering and the way that she does it so organically, and you'll see more of it later, it's like I kind of have this idea of how ships work, but it's not overly technical. Like I, I'm not being bored with navigational, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like Star Trek style, like hard to port, 14 degrees. You know, it's just like oh, I don't need that <laughs> level. But I understand like the currents and like more sail means go faster and, and stuff like that. I like it. She definitely has a mastery of the subject. I think is what I'm trying to say. Yes. So 
Um, do we want to talk about Malta? Yeah. Malta's a little bitch. <laughs> so I, I have a note <laughs> to talk about her for character introductions, but we can talk about Malta now. If you want. Because <laughs> she's trying. I always want to talk about her. She's trying to grow always, up and I she doesn't need to be trying. She's going to hate it. It's going to be horrible. Right? Ask Rintro. <laughs> She doesn't like Winter enough to talk She's to She's going to get stuck with some jackass like her dad. <laughs> and won't realize control. it until too late. Yeah. Well, she idolizes him. Is he good at anything? Her what she Is wants? Kyle good at anything? No. no. Has, has one thing <laughs> been mentioned that he jerk. was good at? Growing hair on his head. <laughs> I think Caffrea might think that he's good in bed. Can't really confirm it, but... <laughs> She oh, seems to she think that to he's cool <laughs> and calm True. and has sage advice, or at least did for the first 13 years of her marriage. No, I think he's just patronizing and he talks to her like she's four and she likes it. <laughs> like, I think that if he, like, if he just took complete control of everything, I feel like he probably could get them out of debt, but it would be in such a terrible way that it would just ruin everything. You know? like it... Well, all they need to do to get out of debt is sell the live ship. Well, like, that's true. But nobody, that's not what you do. But, like, so... he just, I mean, if we get into, like, more stuff in, like, the next chapter, but, like, there's clearly all this stuff that he doesn't understand about Bingtown culture that, like... If he did it his way, like, I don't think it would work in his favor in the end, even if he would possibly, you know, get them out of the situation that they're in. It would just be into another situation. Right. Well, because it's not just about Efron mismanaging or, like, not wanting to trade up the Rain Wild River. And it's not just about Kyle not understanding Bingtown culture. It's the fact that it's also changing. Yeah. And right. None of them are adapting to that. They're trying to maintain an old style. I mean, he's business. more willing to adapt, but... But just by going to what he knows from a culture right. that doesn't apply. Right. He's not willing to adapt to anything else because he refuses to listen to anybody about mm -hmm. anything. So, I mean, I, I kind of feel it's weird because I remember when I first read this, I hated Malta. And this is my second read. And I'm kind of like, I mean, I still hate Malta. But I also am <laughs> trying to put myself in in like her point of view where I'm like, well, no one's telling her what the fuck is going on. So how can you expect her to conduct herself in certain ways if her reality is different than yours? Right. And she's also wanting what all tweens and yeah. children want, which is to be older. Like I don't have any rights. Life isn't going by fast enough. I want to live this carefree life I have, but also I want to like be have treated sex better. with a guy. Oh God. Well, which seems to be her. <laughs> she doesn't even want that. She just wants long skirts. Right. Sorry. And no trying to get that long skirt. Look at her. Yeah. No braids. Yeah. But it, that's the thing. It's like, I want a new dress. I want to go to the party. I want to do all these things. I was not emotionally invested in my grandfather because he was never fucking around. And they're not sitting her down and being like, we are poor. <laughs> <laughs> We're not rich we anymore. We are poor and your father is bad at it. So is this kind of on them? It might be on them a little bit. I feel like it's like when you see a poorly behaved child, you're like, well, that's not on the child. It's not their fault. That's I love Malta, so sorry. 
I you don't just like all these yet. drama people. You like all these people who like don't know how to wait. Oh no, you got me. <laughs> it's like Paragon, Malta, and Amber all sitting at a at a table. Like, all right, which Let's one of us can make the, the biggest scene. stink? Yeah. <laughs> Flipping tables. <laughs> it's all I want. So shall we move on to Eli? You you up for this? I'm up. You up for I'm the... up. Uh, All right. Okay. Chapter fifteen. Negotiations. The Vivacia sails away from Bingtown tomorrow to its new life as a slave ship. Torg delights in taunting Wintrow with the prospects of this new life. Um, Wintrow is gloomy and plots ways to escape. He has already tried several times and now is carefully watched at all times because he fucked it up every time. Um, <laughs> not surprised. <laughs> after Torg leaves Wintro alone with not so mild, the former ship's boy comments, someone will kill him someday and tip him over the side and none will be the wiser. Maybe it'll be me. Jesus. Wintro, That's what I liked mild. Wintro gets holier than thou with mild and mild then goes off on him. Mild explains that the other sailors on the ship disdain him for his priestly attitude and then uh, Vivacia chimes in quietly from the corner uh, that she appreciated his comments. <laughs> the boy and the ship talk toge- together of their woes. Kyle has fired some of Efren's old crew and hired new sailors to replace them. And so now you have Kyle's crew. You have the new people who have not worked with anyone yet. Um, and then you have the old crew. And all three of them are just kind of like separate and just doing their own things together and not really working together like a good crew um one old sailor was fired and asked to give up his booby earrings of vivacia and (laughs) instead pretended to throw them into the water um but then he came back and secretly gave it to vivacia to eat to keep his memory with her which okay um Althea sneaks up to the va- the Vivacia and has a meeting with Wintrow. Um, she asks if Wintrow remembers Kyle's promise to give the ship to her and if, sh- if she could prove herself as a sailor and get a ship's ticket. Wintrow remembers the promise to testify to the fact... Re- remembers and promises to testify to that fact. Torg hears the talking and gets an ear fil- full of mockery from Vivacia and it's actually, it's like really, really funny because she calls him a fat ass and... <laughs> tells him she hopes he'll trip and fall into the water and then she starts rocking the ship uh althea is a little bit like uh freaked out by how uh slightly murderous uh the vivacious sounds okay then later ronica is having her biannual meeting with the rain wild long shark Kalewin. The two are very friendly, and we learn that the normal loan shark was uh, Kaelwyn's daughter who has died because life is hard on rain-wild women. We also get some descriptions of Kaelwyn as having rubbery lumps all over the place and uh, scales that threaten to uh, obscure her eyesight. And so we're thinking that maybe these are common kind of traits of rain-wild people. After a sad but friendly discussion, things turn to business and all of the friendship goes away from the, the conversation. It's all Loan Shark. Um, Ronica <laughs> has been able to gather 10 out of the 12 measures of gold for her biannual loan payment on the Vivacia. 
Um, and then you get a lot of, it's like a little bit of history, but it's not, uh, it's not totally sure. You're not totally sure what the actual history is, but there's some sort of agreement between the rain wilds and, uh, the Bingtown traders. And that's how they get their live ships, um, is from the rain wilds. Kelwin says that the debt must be paid in blood or gold. And Ronica ends up making a deal with her that she will pay the extra owed money and two additional measures of gold on top of her regular payment next time, which is considered a princely sum. And if she can't come with the, come up with the money, she must give up a child or a grandchild to go live with the rain wild traders. And, uh, you know, between Kefria and uh, Malta and uh, what's Keladin, Selden? What's the Selden? Seldon, uh, yeah, yeah. A- Selden, Selden uh, and Althea. I think there's one obvious person out there. Um, but uh, so anyway, if she can't come up with the money, which is looking pretty grim at this point, uh, one of her offspring or offspring's offspring has to go live with the rain wild people and they uh, will use them to inject some new blood into the breeding of, of which is apparently very difficult for the rain wild people. Um, cool. Cool. So uh, Eugenics. <laughs> <laughs> we also learned that kale originally came from Bingtown, town. So we can assume that if you, you go live in the rain wilds, you're going to get deformities like that. Um, which is pro- maybe maybe why they don't want to trade up there. Maybe you sort of get you get rubbery lumps and some scales. <laughs> if you spend too much time there, I don't know. Rubbery oh. lumps. Rubbery lumps. Okay. Robin <laughs> Yeah, you want to stay a big town. Uh, anyway, <laughs> the, the the night before Kyle is to leave, Kefria tries again to convince him not to let Malta display herself as an eligible Bingtown bachelorette. Kyle is still a piece of shit. Um, he thinks <laughs> little of Kefria's notions and changes the subject to how bad Wintro is adapting to ship life. And tells a, a story about how he wouldn't go uh, play with Torg when Torg was Tom tormenting him wouldn't go climb and get his stolen t-shirt back and got a sunburn and so kyle thinks that that's a terrible cowardly way to behave um so each and every word out of kyle's mouth is worse than the last when kefria changes the subject back to malta kyle states that he thinks he knows better how malta should be raised to handle because um the way that uh, i'm bad at words uh he thinks he knows better how Malta should be raised to handle men because it was annoying to him how long it took to woo Kefria when uh, they first started dating. <laughs> that shit, y'all, I got, I just like, my rage It meter was bad. It was gross. Through the roof. Very yeah. bad. Um, Kefria was equally disgusted, I think, as everyone else and started to wake up to how much of a pile of garbage he is realizing that all of her tender moments at the beginning of their relationship were kind of a sham um, because she thought it was like a a nice slow burn that she really enjoyed. Um, And then in a different part of the house, Althea comes to visit her mother in the middle of the night to ask if she remembers if Kyle said Althea could have the ship if she could prove herself. So 
she's got a clear goal. She's getting her uh, her allies. Um, we'll see where that goes, or if she'll end up kicked out. Um, elsewhere, Sasoria confronts Malkin, and most of the Tangle is upset with Malkin's leadership because he's leading them through places with not much food, um, and it's cold, and nobody likes cold. Um, and the the two serpents have a little angry dance, and it's like kind of fun. Uh, Sasoria ends up uh, sharing memories with Malkin because he like secretes his poison, and <laughs> they get high on Malkin's supply, and uh, makes him change change his mind. And then the chapter ends with a, a big shadow passing by, which I assume is a boat, and it's uh, uh, dead things are dropped into the water that they don't even have to hunt. They can just get free food. So they're going to go uh, follow the big ship to rebirth. Yeah. Serpents are so gross. I have so much. Yeah. God. I'm really glad you're with me dinner. because I, I felt very alone in how much I hate them. I just hate them. If she didn't describe them so disgustingly, it wouldn't be so bad. But it's just the descriptions that it just make me squirm, and I just can't handle it. And it's like every not time even I see it's them. not even the wonders of nature where you like learn about gross stuff that happens with like marsupials and stuff. It's just like ugh, I don't it's like it. Just it's just creepy and disgusting. Can they not? <laughs> and then, like I, I also just like can never understand what they're actually doing, and <laughs> they don't. It's either. just weird, and I don't want to know. It's just bad. <laughs> No, they're stupid animals. It's fine. <laughs> they don't think they're stupid. I mean, yeah, I don't know if they're stupid. <laughs> I mean, they found like a food source that they don't even have to work for. That's pretty smart. Chasing all these ship bellies, eating all the humans. Oh, yeah, yum, yum. <laughs> Dinner. <laughs> So, gross. so what do you think? I love that you call them loan sharks. <laughs> <laughs> we have like this very involved like ritual of like offering them food and like things to say, but they're just loan sharks. It's I love that Ronica was like, okay, I think it's going to be this chick and she likes wine. So I'm going to bust out some wine and get this girl tipsy. And she's only going to make me pay like a half a ration of interest on my outstanding debt and then she's like oh shit it's not my it's the woman who only drinks tea and not wine (laughs) (laughs) like my plan has been ruined and then she ends up having to give up like a fucking kid yeah that's not gonna go well (laughs) yeah but i would love i would love to be able to stick it to kyle (laughs) and like giving away one of his children to the brain wild (laughs) would really do that can't they give away Kyle? <laughs> they don't want him. He's fine. His precious, precious skin turned to scales and lumps. <laughs> Sounds great. I mean, you say that you don't want to go to the Rainwild. You want to stay in Bingtown. But if I think Bingtown's too close. Like, I... Yeah, yeah. It sounds I mean, like it is too close. Like, uh, If they're still, they're still having uh, some Rainwild effect. Even been in I, I'm going where people don't get weird tumorous growths on their face. So we're going to the mountain the kingdom. Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm always going to the Mountain Kingdom. I, I mean, the fashions I sound great. Feel like Althea is short sighted and not wanting to just like go to the six duchies. Because... Oh, she's so like, I'm not fucking going there. They are barbarians. I'm like, uh, excuse you. You say they're barbarians, but th- at least they don't treat women like yeah property. <laughs> Yeah. They can sail. They can, you know, they can be soldiers. They can do whatever what the fuck she, they want. She says something where she's like, they don't even have glass in their windows or something. <laughs> it's like, oh, like they're you poor. You bring they're that, not... that, that technology to them. You would think that yeah, a, like a trader city would have a better understanding of what it's like in other places. Well, no, because they only trade south. They don't go north. So they only go to where it's nice. But here's the lost opportunity. She could introduce glass. Exactly. She and then, you know, she could, you know, go to women like Molly and be like, if you put glass in your window, then like, you know, boys can't swing into it. <laughs> 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 and like stalk you in your room. Yeah. Wintro can do like extra special glass for when you need that upgraded effect. I don't know. Every time they mention candles in this book, I'm like, hmm, what kind of candles are those? Why did Althea need candles? <laughs> Where She doesn't even have a place to put candles. No, she needed candles one. because she's squatting inside of that ship and it was pitch black and she couldn't see around. <laughs> I guess you're right. Yeah. I was like, what's she going to do? Just carry a candle around? It's like, it's they like commented a video a game. Couple of like, times about this. She's like stumbling around inside the belly of Paragon. She's stumbling because he's on a list. And also, it's pitch black. <laughs> she needs that light to see Brashen with, and uh oh, there's only one bed. Ooh, there's only one hammock. Oh. And it's that dim light where everybody looks good. <laughs> <laughs> but he killed the mood by telling her to go home. You're going to fail. Turd. You can if you're going to fail either tomorrow or in three days. But eventually, you will fail. Go Just home. Just because you failed, Brashen, doesn't mean she will. My thing is, like, he gave Althea shit for when she got drunk and was flapping her lips, but he's no charmer when he's drunk. He's <laughs> like... It sounds like he's drunk a lot. Yeah. Big town men. Yeah. I like Paragon's whole, like, assessment of Russian. Like, well, you know, he does this every time, and he's just, <laughs> yeah. he goes out, he spends too much money, he comes back, he berates himself for spending the money and vows not to do it again, and then inevitably he spends it all, and then he has to go and find work, and then I lose him for a while, and it just, the cycle repeats again and again and again. But oh, he's so passion. desperate for companionship that he doesn't, like, set limits to their friendship or try to, like... You know, like he could be like, yeah, you can stay on me, but you have to help me out. Like maybe drag me into the water or something. No, Paragon's just like, please give me interaction. <laughs> Save me from the monotony. Before and the you boredom, leave, could you set I... me on fire? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I want to try it. <laughs> That's not a mutually beneficial like relationship, though, because then Brashen and Althea lose their, their free... Uh, you know, place to stay. Right, right. But Althea <laughs> did buy those candles, so who knows? That's true. Paragon can just, like, shake himself while she's carrying a candle around and hope that she drops it. <laughs> yeah. I, I want them to gather all of the sailors that got fired from the Vivacia and steal the Paragon. So it can be like a ragtag sports movie where they all, like, come together. <laughs> And become excellent sailors. There's going to be a montage. Like, take on like, the. It's the Sandlot him. on boats. 
Yes, and they have to they have to battle the battle Kyle and the Vivacia and Kenneth and his terribleness as he tries to steal both live ships and they win everything. That's what happens in these books, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 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 you saying Sandlot reminded me that we are we are um experiencing a sad lack of an animal sidekick. We have ship sidekicks. We have oh, serpents. Yeah, there what are any animals? The well, serpents, the serpents don't, don't fucking count. count. No, they don't. <laughs> I'm just being shit. Remember, <laughs> they're perverse, okay? The sidekick can't be perverse. <laughs> <laughs> would you, what would you Does put in? do anything for you. Well, like, you can't ride it. You can't. I mean, give what's it a, a good message? pet for a boat? You want a like bird. a bird? bird. Yeah. A bird, Maybe yeah. Where's Motley? A rat. A rat would be oh, good. A rat too. would be good. A we ferret. Get into small places. Uh, uh, a small ferret. A, a small monkey. Small ferret. Yeah. Monkey. Perfect. Yes. A monkey. Please give yes. me like a, a what's his face? Like it's monkeys. Oh no. Oh now I knew I'm what thinking, I was getting into. <laughs> I knew what I was gonna set off. Oh, oh my gosh! Like, Are we, I hope we get an animal sidekick. Now I really need to know an entire horse. You didn't like the descriptions <laughs> no. of the uh, the the serpents at getting food from the pirates. No, no. <laughs> I thought it was kind of. It made me think of the big um, monster in Willow at the castle. You know, I was kind of envisioning like that. With like the long necks just kind of snapping around and everything. So you're like picturing the serpents as like Nelly, like ne- or Nessie, like a Nelly, yes, with a bandaid on his <laughs> cheek, <laughs> just like Nelly. Nessie, I'm Nessie. They're like the worst. A... So you what know. I learned from this silence is that. People don't know what the monsters in Willow are, and people don't know who Nellie is. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've watched Willow, okay? <laughs> None of my references hit. I'm it's sorry. Fine. It's fine. Just... <laughs> Although I think Willow is on Disney Plus, so if you want to watch it, you could. Oh, we I are own that shit. Yeah. <laughs> I own like five movies, and Willow is one of them. <laughs> I stole the baby. All right, uh, <laughs> let's move into every episode prompt. So this be my crew character introductions and exits. Don't have any exits, but Malta got more of a spotlight. And Mild got a little bit of a spotlight there for a second, too. Mild. Mild gets my shout out for the for this episode, just for that line. I love it. <laughs> Maybe it'll be me. Yeah, Mild. Live your dream. <laughs> <laughs> um. X marks the spot. Where the heck are we? We are still in Bangtown. And, and askew. And askew, which is somewhere in the Pirate Isles. And it's not straight. It's askew. <laughs> and we know that the serpents are moving into saltier, warmer water. Great. They weren't happy about it. <laughs> and that there are slave ships that they can follow. I think they've they've entered they've entered the map the part of the map we can see maybe is the what we should maybe, take away from that maybe they should like you know go up north and just you know eat the red ships instead. eat the red ships 
What would they do, though? I don't know. <laughs> that might be... No. No, thanks. They would, like, they would use the skill on them and, like, make them do weird shit. I don't know. <laughs> Who wants to whip bond with a serpent? Not me. No. Could you... Yeah. But, like, if you take on the characteristics of your wit piece, do you take on those characteristics of the serpent and then just start, like, rubbing up against people? Yeah, you just, like, lay in mud and, like, and, like eat weird Eating shit. their shed skin. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the fly. You just turn in. You just Jeff Goldblum it. That's what happens. Just start talking about salts and Ugh. poisons and... Anyway, what a tangle. What are the dragons doing? Feeding. The serpents. Serpents, Rachel. Sorry, serpents. Let me just read. Oh my god. Yeah, you have dragons in the dock. (laughs) They're the same to me. Get it right. It's, I just think of like the different, it's like Falcor is like a dragon. It's the type of dragon. You know. No. (laughs) They're just, they don't have legs. That's all. Or wings. And they live in the sea. The ships talk. What did we learn about live ships? A lot that they can eat stuff. Yeah, that was weird. That was weird. And that she said she could feel it. <laughs> yeah. She's like, yeah, I ate it. Now it's like the princess in the pea. Like she knows exactly where it is. <laughs> and it will always be there now forevermore. How many more chapters do we think Torg is going to live? <laughs> do you mm. think she'll be e- he'll be eaten by the vivacious? Is that why that just no, came because- up? Then she can always feel him, and no one wants that. <laughs> I don't like the fact that they can eat stuff. I don't like if you're Wintrow and you're making a pro con list of like <laughs> like evil or not evil. I'd put that in the evil yeah. category. I mean, I guess if you can eat like inanimate objects, it's kind of okay if that's like part of your deal. But like, but she can eating... also probably eat a sandwich. <laughs> no, she can't eat a sandwich. Because she can't poop. Can she? <laughs> or can she? Uh... She can't, because otherwise she would shit that earring out. But she doesn't. It's still inside of her. So does she have a limited amount of room? Like, if she just eats a yes, lot of earrings, is that, like, a problem? Yeah. <laughs> fill her with beads. Just fill her with beads. That's what Amber's in the story for. Egg bead. <laughs> but give it an egg bead. It's like eating a lot of Tide Pods, you know? <laughs> forbidden snack <laughs> uh, is this the patriarchy misogyny capitalism slavery and fashions from Jamelia? i i'm very interested in the economy now between big town and the rain wilds and the fact that there it seems to be like matriarchal or at least so far mm-hmm. everyone we've seen involved in these transactions are women that is true yeah good cool yeah, like that's like something it. Yeah, at least we have something. (laughs) (laughs) It's few and far between. Yeah. But, you know, I'm sure Kyle won't like that if and when he ever figures it out. Well, but remember, Kyle will die if he goes to the Rainwild, so (laughs) it's fine. That's true. Because (laughs) Mild will be there to stab him. Do you think that the Rainwild's traders would recognize Kyle's authority in that agreement? No, not if it, it I would includes him no. saying no. Yeah, because yeah. I'm thinking that this is why only live ships can go up that river is because 
I think it's more of like a who do they trust kind of thing. And they've well, if they're they've responsible for giving of, them the live ships, what? If they're responsible for sort of giving them the live ships, then that would explain why only live ships can go up there. Well, I, what I'm saying is, I'm thinking maybe it's less about the ship's ability to get up there and more about trust with the who they're dealing with. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. If the Rainwild people families are helping to give the Bingtown families the live ships, then that means that there's trust yeah. in that bond. And so that would be why they allow the live ships to come back to them. I assume that they supplied the wizard wood. Does that make sense? Hmm. These are all very interesting comments. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure you'll enjoy talking about them in the spoiler section. <laughs> Yes. Oh, so speaking of, we have reached the end of this episode. Uh, any last words? Kyle sucks. Kyle sucks. We've moved on from down with Kyle to just Kyle sucks. Malta rocks. Um, all right. So reminder, the next reading section is chapters 16 through 20. And I do have some content warnings. Chapter 17 has some implied sexual violence involving a non-point of view character. And chapter 20 has underaged and very questionably consensual sex from a point of view character. So, rut row. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to spoil, but I figure. Something exciting to look forward to. Hooray. Yes. We're going to have a bad time. We're going to have a bad time together. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um,. I'm Rachel. You can find me at Darth Rachel on Twitter, Darth underscore Rachel on Instagram. Check out the Buckkeep Radio Podbean website. We also have links to our other pods, and you can email us at buckkeepradio at gmail.com. My name is Alyssa. You can find me at alyssamaynard.com. Uh, I'm Jenny, and you can find me at Spray on Instagram. I'm Eli, and you can find me at Chewy Bread Cosplay on Instagram. And I'm Ashley, and you can find me on the things at Lady Bird Parker. Next up is spoiler section. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye, Fly, you fools. Bye. Fly, you Uh, I just finished reading the section where Kenneth gets the rest of his leg cut off. Oh, shit. <laughs> and it's <laughs> oh my God. way too long. Note. Mm-hmm. So long. It's so long. Oh, my God. <sighs> I mean, I knew it was coming, but I also feel like before when I was not reading for to discuss it as a, you know, and be recorded while discussing it. I didn't have to cons. I could just be like, hey, I'm gonna turn some pages. Just get rid, rid you know. Yeah. Rid of it. <laughs> Ugh, oh, people start so... losing limbs. Super cool. Yeah. Love and it. just like, I mean, like, you know, there's just, yeah, the, th- the, the, the pointer finger. That's what Winter loses the pointer finger. Yeah, I'd forgotten it's mentioned this early. Yeah, oh, cool. oh, that Amber was like, I, I'm here looking for a nine-fingered slave boy. Well, you're a little early, Amber. Yeah. <laughs> Come back. Not always the best with timing. The fool. 
you know, it's not like the visions come with like a clock attached. <laughs> like, <laughs> he like, happens. Tell- yeah. Uh, yeah, but there's just so much detail in how it feels and how everyone feels and the sounds and the smells and the textures. It's just, oh, ooh, it was a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. It's Tolkienian. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. But I'm really glad it didn't happen. I'm glad Vivisha didn't eat it because I was really afraid she was going to eat it. He's <laughs> <laughs> so disgusting. <laughs> I was like, where are you taking it, Wintrow? Where are you taking oh it? God. Don't give it to Vivisha. When no one's looking, she'll eat it. I just see you in the audience. Like, <laughs> please, no, reaching for it. <laughs> Don't uh, do it. It's like... Oh, the you know the painting of uh, Saturn eating his children. <laughs> it's just a painting of Vivacia eating people, eating people, cannibal ship. Oh, yep. Yeah. Oh, poor Vivacia. So I also wanted to talk about like this romance between. I know we talked about it a little bit last time, but Malta and Rain. I forgot that Rain was so old. Oh, I didn't remember that until you said it either. Yeah. I think and I also remembered the Rainwilds people being less grotesque than they're actually <laughs> described. I think my brain kind of toned it down for me to yeah. be like, oh, it's not that truly horrible with like radium girls tumors. And yeah. like now I'm reading it more in closely and it's oh worse than I remember. Well, Rain and his mother for some reason are less affected. That's like noted later on that they uh, don't have as that they're more attractive in general than other people. Okay, I was wondering if that was the case because I, and I like, don't I know. It was hot. Yeah, I don't remember any particular reason for that other than it makes it easier to romance in, him in your mind, you know, that he's not covered in boils. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, I, yeah, I don't know if this is colored by Rainwild's books, but I like imagine instead of like terrible tumor fleshy bits, <laughs> like little fish danglies like a yeah. catfish has instead yeah or like yeah or like a chicken yeah like a yeah. giblet yeah <laughs> <laughs> my chicken boyfriend chicken the bird boyfriend those are great love a bird boyfriend um yeah it's just like there's these all these sections where they're very focused on the fact that like malta is not old enough and it's been from the beginning like malta you are not old enough you are not old enough and then it's like well She's still out there. And I'm like, how old is she? She's 12, 13. She's not 13. She's a baby. She's a baby. And this 20-year-old man is like, yep. yep oh, my I God. Think. He's 20? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, holding my head in my hands. I know. It's really hard. <laughs> and, I, like, the whole time I'm reading it, I, you know, because I am reading ahead. And I'm just like, wait, do we have a jump in time? Like, there is a jump in time. Because Malta even seems older and bratty the more we hear from her. I didn't think she was that young. Oh, Jesus. Well, she's younger than Wintrow. Wintrow's only 13. So. Anyway. um, That part 
is interesting because all of my memory of Rain is like good and positive and I like him. But reading it now, I'm kind of like he's sort of being set up as a villain because he's so much older and he's very much like not listening to anyone else talking reason where they're like, this is a child and like maybe we should lay off. And he's like, no, no, that's the one I'm going to marry. I'm sending her this box. No one gets to tell me what, you know, like no one gets to tell me what to do. That's the one. And they're like, well, you can sort of court her. He's like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I'm like, wow. Wow. Right. Like, I mean, it's more fresh in your mind. So I'm not sure if this is the case. But when I was reading it the first time, it did seem so romantic. And I was like, yeah, fuck them. Go marry each other. You're into each other. But now, yeah, he just seems like, from what you're saying, another man who's looking to control the women in his life like every Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't think that that's the intention. And I'm certain that there are other passages that will help mitigate that. But like at the point I am in, this, in my reread, I'm kind of like, ooh, I don't like it. Yeah, bad taste. Blech. I like him, yes. you know, and I like that he is, you know, a conservationist and he's trying to think of like the future and understand how the world works and instead of just trying to, you know, scavenge off of it. Putting the wild in rain wild. Yeah, yeah. But, mm. ugh, I'm a little disturbed by that. But I also know that they have like shortened lifespans and all and all of that stuff. But 12 seems a bit much. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how everyone else reacts. Yeah. I can't wait. I, I do. I am enjoying uh, the slow seduction between Amber and Ashley. We will see. <laughs> so really, we're just what we're just waiting to see if Ashley, when Ashley will. Um, right. Or Elena. Realize. Or Elena. Um. Although I think for Elena, it will be much more difficult because she hasn't read through the original trilogy. So like the fool is no one that that reveals not going to like hit her. Oh, dang. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's rough. But we'll see when Ashley figures it out because now she's already said, let's let me help me thwart fate. Right. Yeah. That's 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 some um, that's some vocabulary <laughs> <laughs> familiar. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see it. All right. Oh, sounds good. Okay. I'll talk to you later then. Bye. See you. Bye.